Welcome to Community Connect. I'm your host, Roseanne Gutierrez. This is a place where we discuss the benefits of integrating security products using open source software and standards with the goal of fostering a more interoperable security ecosystem. In each episode, we engage in conversations with individuals who are actively contributing to the OCA community, as well as others who are creating, building, and implementing interesting things related to open source security and standards. Now, on to our interview. Our guest is Duncan Sparrow. He is, uh, I love the title, Chief Cyber Curmudgeon. <laughs> That's a great title. Of uh, Fractal Consulting, LLC. He is an OASIS board member and is also a co-chair of the Cybersecurity Automation Subproject. Duncan, welcome. I hope I didn't uh, shortchange you on the intro. Do you have anything you want to nope. add to that? Nope, it sounds good. I'm a lot of other things too, but that's what matters to this talk. <laughs> Aren't we all? All right, Mr. Duncan. So as I said, welcome. I really appreciate you being here today, uh, giving us a little bit of your time. Uh, my first question for you is to give me an elevator pitch on the CASP project. Alrighty. Well, let me start out with uh, one of its purposes in life is something called the Cybersecurity Automation Village which we had one last week. So I'll, I'll just give you some context of how CASP works into the bigger um, OCA and then what it produces as output, which is the village. You're here at the OCA Connect, so hopefully you already know what OCA is, but just as a reminder to everybody, uh, the Open Cybersecurity Alliance is literally a screenshot right off the homepage. It's for building an open ecosystem where cybersecurity products interoperate without the need for customized integration. So that, that interoperate is a really key word. And one of the sub-projects of the OCA is the CAF sub-project or the cybersecurity automation sub-project. So that interoperate that's part of the bigger OCA picture needs to have things talk to each other. And if they could talk to each other uh, automatically, automatically, um, then they would be much more efficient. And so, why, why do we why do we want to do that? Well, we want to we want to sort of get our actual products talking to each other, and that's why we hold this thing called the Cybersecurity Automation Village, which is where we get these projects actually interacting. Now, why? Yes, the elevator pitch. Why do we even have this stuff at the first place? Well, we have this large set of acronym soup that we're going to be talking about and explaining at least some of them. Um, and so one of the reasons is just so everybody knows what the acronym stand for and everybody knows each other's project. But the real issue is because it, it actually saves money. Okay. And the way it saves the end customer money, um, you apply the sort of risk principles. Why do we do cybersecurity? I'm big into quantitative risk. This would be a whole talk of its own. But to apply those principles, you need some data and some work done by the Johns Hopkins University Applied Physics Lab. The sort of punchline of this talk from years ago is it's a two order of magnitude sooner you kick the hackers out of your system. So if you do this automation stuff that we'll be talking about, you can kick hackers out of your system in hours instead of weeks. And that's the, if you want the sort of one sentence punch word of, of why do we do this automation? Why do we have this sub project? It's because we want the stuff to interoperate automatically so we can hit, kick hackers out quicker. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, that leads me to my second question. So why is this important to you? So I retired about 10 years ago. I retired as AT&T's chief security architect. And I had a fairly big budget. A lot of people reported to me. We did a lot of really important work. And we really moved cybersecurity forward a lot. But we were operating in, in human speed. Um, and I retired and had a very good career and 
I was bored and needed something to do. Um, so I got very involved in cybersecurity standards and in particular the standards of um, cybersecurity automation um, because I think they really will make the world a safer place. So it's important to me because I really want this stuff to succeed because the hackers traditionally have been winning and I want the defenders to win. Don't we all? Absolutely. Yes. All right. Well, like you said uh, earlier, I know you said that uh, you had your very first CASP workshop. I know you've had workshops in the past, but as as the the sub project. So why don't you tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, highlights for what happened last week? All right. Well, you know, as I sort of mentioned, the reason we're doing this is to, is to save the end consumer's money. And the other reason we have the village is sort of to get the different things to interoperate. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. But of course, the other reason we get together is so that we can hand out stickers. So one important, really <laughs> important aspect of the, of the uh, meeting was that we uh, we did actually have cybersecurity automation villages stickers. And of course, we had open cybersecurity alliance stick stickers. But we had uh, basically at four hours, it was um, out at the University of Southern California. Um, we started at 1030 in the morning, ended up at uh, 4 p.m. Uh, Eastern, or I'm sorry, Pacific. And it was, you know, dream. So it went around the world. And we had people from around the world there. Uh, we had people, I think, from four continents. We had about 40 people overall, about uh, 15, 15 to 20 of them in the room. We covered a lot of the alphabet soup that we'll we'll talk about Again, the main purpose was to get these various projects interoperating with each other, and we got a lot of them uh, to do that. I can go into it um, in sort of a whole lot more detail, but the sort of really big picture was we we wanted to try and tie this together from sort of the end enterprise viewpoint. What What's the value to them? The value to them is to save money on actual real-life use cases. So we created this use case. Some people give us grief for the word use case. Maybe scenario would be a better word because once you get into the details, it's a use case. But at the very big picture, it's more the common English, a case where you use this stuff. Um, and the one that we picked was a made up one that we made called the Witchy Watchy Ransomware. So, so um, we broke it down into a, a six day on six different days, six things happened related to this new invented uh, fake ransomware we did. And we played around and some of this is funny and, and meant to be, you know, sort of bring a smile to people's face on like Murphy's Law, uh, the law firm's name is Murphy's Law, stuff like that. But um, the and the, the funny uh, US government agency we made up was the NSA, ANSA. Um, but <laughs> real important thing is it's actually pretty serious stuff. And and so we, we um, but we got together and we had a good time doing it. But the, um, the six days start out with basically a zero day ransomware attack on a law firm. They move on through sort of the, the day two where somebody else gets attacked, but takes advantage of the learnings from the first day. Uh, day three, where you sort of do some preventative action, prevent yourself from even getting hacked in the first place. Uh, day four, government agencies have some certain rules they have to follow, like comply to connect, and it sort of works into that. Uh, day five, we go out and arrest all the, the hackers involved. And day six, we can either confirm or deny whether the U.S. and um, allied partners go in and uh, remove foreign nation state assets involved in the in the attack. Um, and that's, again, just sort of um, we, we try and be a little bit funny while we do it. But we actually took a very lot of actual um, looking sort of across this, the, the details of day one. I'm not going to read through all this, but the, um, the actual way we did it when we met last week was we we actually worked out real life scenarios where all those different um, open uh, technologies were used and interactions and actual real life data was was passed in some of those. 
uh, sort of down at the bottom, the little uh, symbols there, the gears, the human, and the hand are, uh, some of it was done with actual machine-to-machine APIs and real-life data. Some of it was done with human-to-machine interactions. Again, we want to automate, so we want this stuff to be at speed. So we prefer the human to be on the loop as opposed to in the loop, but sometimes they have to be in the loop. And then, because not everything always works and because we're not you know, perfect and have everything as much as we'd like, there's a certain amount of hand-waving involved. And we got into the details of that. We sort of worked through each day and which technologies went through each, worked in these various things. Sometimes more hand-waving was involved than others. And then the sort of summary was that we had an awful lot of technologies that actually talked a lot uh, to each other with actual machine-to-machine interfaces, sometimes with human-to-machine interfaces, and sometimes with uh, hand-waving. We had a lot of companies involved, but actual companies who brought what we call sweat equity to the table and had their stuff talk to other stuff is that sort of a string across the bottom. So um, overall, a very successful event. That's sort of the, the very high-level summary. That's awesome. So how often do you plan on uh, having your meetings? Uh, do you already have a set schedule for your meetings? So again, distinguishing between CASP, which is the group of people trying to make all this stuff work, and the village, which is where we have a wider event, invite outsiders to come watch us and hopefully get even more people involved. CASP meets twice a month. Uh, we meet at 11 a.m. on the first I keep my day straight up here, Monday of the month and 4 p.m. Eastern on the third. And the reason we do that time switch is because we do have people from all around the world. Uh, like that very first company mentioned on the slide here, Sidearm, um, we actually had someone physically present, but they literally flew from Australia to California to, to, to attend our meeting in person for last week. But when we have our weekly meetings for people in Australia, 11 a.m. is an absolutely horrible time, um, just like 4 p.m. is an absolutely horrible time for people in Europe. So we sort of right. um, you know, moved the times around to share everybody. But that's the, the meetings. The villages, we've been traditionally holding about once a year. We'd probably like to do it twice a year. The next one we have planned is not an actual full village. It's just sort of a quick get together and meet up as part of Borderless Cyber, which will be occurring in September in London. Um, and the next big actual village, as opposed to the sort of half-day event we had, we're planning a two-day event in the first quarter of next year. Um, we're still working with the, the host to get permission to um, uh, say where it'll be, but it'll most likely be at a, at a site in either Washington, D.C. or New Jersey that the host is still working out. And the dates are, we're still working out, but sometime probably later in the first quarter. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Community Connect. Security is a collaborative effort, and your involvement, big or small, has the power to make a real impact. Be sure to check out the OCA website and connect with us on our social media channels. See you in the next episode.